This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Hi everyone, I'm Jane Tara and I'm chatting to authors and experts about their self-help, wellness and personal development books. If you're looking for ways to be happy, be well and be inspired, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Better Reading B. Amanda Thompson has not only qualified three times for the Ironman World Championships, but she is also an Iron Woman in her own life. She is an award-winning financial planner and the founder of Endurance Financial. She draws on her decades of experience to educate and mentor women through their own financial futures. Her book, Financially Fit Women, is the ultimate guide to take charge of your financial future now. I loved it and I'm thrilled to be talking to her today. Amanda Thompson, welcome to Be Better. Thank you for having me. I always struggle with the decades of experience because, it, you know, you're quickly calculating my age now. <laughs> I know. You blink, don't you? But see, decades could, it, well, it is just two. It's not like it's five yet, but, you know. <laughs> I was just talking to you before we started about how at Better Reading B, we like to do books that, you know, educate and empower readers to be better to be happier, to be content, whatever. And regular listeners of this podcast will know that I include financial independence and empowerment in that category. And while your book is financially fit women, and it's it's not really just for women, however, women in particular need to be become financially uh, informed, or many women do. And you were telling me a story earlier how you've just been to, um, you've been talking about this with coaches. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I I agree with you and there's not everyone out there that agrees that uh, finances actually do come part of your self-development, your self-love, mm. bettering yourself. So I, I love that I've had a chance to be on this podcast because it really is empowering. I was saying to you that I was on um, a lecture or a, a presentation to health coaches and I do this thing where we go around the room saying that the, the stresses in people's lives, we know them. It's health, it's family and relationships, there's money stresses, mm. um, often self-doubt, you know, our own personal enemies or environmental factors. They're the main stresses in someone's life. And when you go around a room and you ask people, have they been to the GP? Have they been to a physio? Have they done yoga, meditation? Have they been to a counsellor or a psychologist? You know, people put up their hands so many times to these questions. Yes, we all grasp that concept that we need to seek assistance to, you know, stop things from weighing us down so much. But when you ask a group of people, have they sought out true help and assistance with the stresses of money that are weighing them down, whether that is um, calling our financial crisis helpline in Australia or mm. the deadline. So I'm talking even serious things. Two things will happen. There's not many hands that will go up mm. or there's a few and the few hands that will go up often say, yes, I speak to my accountant regularly. <laughs> and then the other part of that is the hands that don't go up is that people are not talking about money. 
either. Mm. So people aren't confident. Like we put our hands up to say we see a doctor. People aren't confident to say, yeah, I've had to seek out financial help for debt stress or, or whatever that is. And that's a stigma that I want to change as well is we should be talking about these things because we're not alone. You know, mm. there's so many people that are living paycheck to paycheck with the rising um, cost of living at the moment. We mm. will all know someone that, that is in that position. And, you know, we know more and more people at the moment with the cost of living rising like this who probably weren't previously in it, who were getting by and now they're struggling. So, you know, I think it's really important to be having these conversations. I tend to talk about it you know, in terms of women and particularly older women, you know, because older women, you know, are the ones who are really suffering in this country with homelessness and, you know, you split up from your husband or whatever and suddenly you realise you've got no superannuation and blah, blah, blah. So I love having money conversations with my girlfriends and on this podcast, because I think it's a very, very important part of, you know, building a full life where you're not under these stresses that actually then impact your health and and other areas of your life as well. So, So I'm so glad that you're on here. But Amanda, you know firsthand how vulnerable women can be financially, don't you? Because you write about this, how you became a single mom. Yep. then quite quickly became sick and had to give up work. So do you think that period of your life is, did that inform your desire to educate women about money? I think that yes, there's yes and no. So yes, I also um, grew up in a single parent family, which I talk about a little bit in the book um, as well. And watching my mum and her, her views, and we started this conversation, this part of the conversation by talking about older women. Mm. And I know, we, you know, we're calculating my age now and I'm veering on becoming an older woman. But my mum was one of those, that generation that didn't have superannuation or enough of it and and did divorce and had struggled through in, you know, we talk about not living in bad times, which, you know, that was the era of the 18% interest rates. So as I got older and truly understood the value of money, I also understood what my mum went through and then even more so when it happened to me as well and having to, I suppose, not only delve into different financial circumstances because I worked full time. And so the division, you know, back then was different for me as it would have been my mum, but getting sick and then truly being the optimum of, you know, single parent having to support two kids. And I was lucky that I've been a hard worker my whole life because I had sick leave and I had income protection and I had all of those things that I talk about in the book you need. Mm. But there's certain parts as you go, you know, without giving away the book, there are yeah. areas where it's very much a say as I I I'm do as I say, not as I did uh, approach. But I think that as you, as I grasped that I wanted to go out into business for myself, there wasn't this women's pull to it. There was just wanting to stick to my own values and morals and my beliefs around money. And what you find, I think, in any industry when you go out on your own, 
you tend to attract like people. Mm. And what I was finding was more and more women who were very similar to me were coming into my life looking for advice. And I think that's where the gaps really started to show in what was available to women in particular in the same situation that I'd had. Mm. And I like that. That's very true. You do start to draw in people who are either having your own experience or there's a, you know, that kind of a different level, each level that you move up to in your life, you know, you meet like-minded people. You break the book down into chapters uh, that build on each other, starting with money mindset and money goals, and then working through to all areas of your life, including business, retirement, estate planning. But you were just mentioning your values just then. And uh, you write about that in Money Mindset. Explain Money Mindset to me and why it's so important. There's there's two parts and the Money Mindset chapter flows into the money goals. And Mm. the reason it does, and I know that you've read it so you know where I'm going, but I have this very, very strong belief that in today's society, we're still driven by a dollar figure as our goal without necessarily assimilating that to what we want in our personal lives and who we are as a person. And it's also another reason why people don't achieve their money goals because we're more likely to be motivated by personal wants and gains to keep going on a track than than money. Mm. Um, But also we're all living our own lives, yeah, Mm. Um, and we've all had different experiences and we've just said a bit of mine, which, you know, if you look at my money mindset and you look at my personal goals, you could tell if you look deep into them what my money mindset is. And I came from myself a an area of scarcity mindset, yeah. We had to save every dollar we had and when, especially when I started my business with my girls, you know, mm. I had to put food in their mouths. And so that follows you through life, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so you also need to have an understanding of your money history and the things that have formed your beliefs around money, good good and bad. We're not just talking traumas. You could have lived in a in a family that just had lots of money. And so that shapes who you are today as well. And then you have to stop and have a look at, is that who I truly am? And am I am I aligning my money beliefs to my personal values and goals as well? And I think it's the place that everyone needs to start, which is why it's the start of my mm, book, mm. before you go on any money journey. I think it's excellent, actually. And um, I was my next question is how important is it to set goals if you don't have them clearly? Because I worked through these first couple of chapters and realized that it's something that I did not quite as well as um, how it's laid out in this book. So I'm redoing it. But a few years ago when I got really serious about my finances and I started to look at the money programming and lessons that had come from my background. And I also, you know, was raised by a single mum who actually was very, very good with money, you know, but that was working a few jobs and really working hard to build her own uh, independence after, you know, sort of hitting rock bottom financially. So, you know, I had those lessons coming in from her. I did a similar thing, but 
what was interesting was when I was setting my money goals of understanding that it wasn't so much that I wanted this particular amount of money in my life, but security was important to me. And that came as a big shock because I spent 13 years being nomadic and traveling the world. I thought I was a wing it through life. But actually, when you really look into your values, your money programming, and then what your goals are, something can surprise you there. So I love how you lay it out in your book for people to really discover what's going on in themselves and then to set goals. Yeah, and fear is a big factor too. When you mm. mention things like security, mm. sometimes, you know, when we talk about ourselves, we don't like to necessarily admit the fears we have. But, mm. you know, if you, to different stages of your life, yeah, is, you know, are my children going to be okay? You know, mm. you know, and am I going to be homeless like so mm. many people are when I'm older? They're real fears and they mm. do come back to setting goals so mm. that you're not going to reach that, you know. Mm. Uh, so mm. I, I like that you uncovered something and I've actually had a few reviews of the that very thing from people saying, I thought I had my money mindset under control, but taking the path that I've led them on uncovers different things and got, you know, I've had some people say I've had some aha moments where my money goals aren't actually related to my personal goals and values and that's why I'm off track a bit. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. It's really interesting, and I love the way that you lay it out in your book. Going up to chapter six, where um, I think this kind of tied in with it for me, it's money for the unexpected unexpected. You write about preparing for financial emergencies and you lay out different types of insurance, such as life insurance, total and disability insurance, income insurance, all of those things. Now, you write that when you were in hospital, a calm came over you knowing that you had protected your children if the worst was to occur. So I have all of those insurances I didn't until, you know, a few years back, but I have them all. I'm, you know, completely covered. I've got to say that when I covered myself like that, I did feel comforted (laughs) that if the worst was to occur, and we don't like to think about that, but if it happened, my kids are completely okay financially. And it comes back to what's important to you, doesn't it? So so you know that that comfort comes from if you've worked on your personal goals, that you're Mm. actually filling that gap somehow. Exactly. It fills the gap. It's wonderful. So what's your advice to people who aren't insured or are just starting out on this journey? Because it's a lot to actually, I did it one at a time. Uh, you know, over a few years and until I was fully insured and earning enough to do so. But what 
would your advice be to people? Where do they start? You know, um, and and again, in the book, I, I go through this. I, similar to everything I do is an audit process and then there's a needs process. So you know what? Not everyone may need insurance considering mm. their, their circumstances. So insurance is really a one-by-one concept, yeah? Uh, the other thing about insurance that I am adamant about is that other than our house, which if you own a home, it tends to be your biggest asset, mm. yeah? But it's not going to be an income-producing asset unless you sell it. So the most income-producing asset we have is ourselves, Mm. our ability to earn an income to protect our loved ones, our ability to earn an income to pay off a mortgage or to pay for healthcare. We live in a great country where there is great healthcare, but the healthcare of Australia does not provide home loans, (laughs) you know, repayments. And so I think that you've got to find, again, I I talk a lot about gaps, is what what you need to what you have to fill that gap. And if there's still a gap, then you may consider insurance, you know. And not everyone can get insurance. It becomes harder. Like everything, the cost of insurance has gone up as well. And a lot of people think that they can't afford it. But also you may feel partial gap that still gives you the comfort. So the idea of insurance is to go through and and figure out for yourself what's important to you and your family of what you need and then go and see what you can do about it. Even my dog is insured. (laughs) You know, it's like I just insure everything. But, yeah, absolutely. And I like that you talk about gaps and make it easy for people to take steps in their lives to to just have that comfort that they're going to be okay each each step of the way as they start and move through this whole uh, journey. So in your chapter about money for tomorrow, you write about long-term investing and wealth creation. What's your advice for someone just starting out? Start. <laughs> there was a quote in there. I think it was a Mark Twain quote or something, but it was an excellent quote. I thought that was so good. Yes. It is, you know, again, we live in a society, as as great as it is, we live in a society that is fueled by media. Mm. And there is so much information out there. It can sometimes make it very daunting to take your own first step forward because we don't think we've got enough money or we don't think we're the same as Joe Blow down the street and because mm. you know, he drives two fancy cars and so how could I ever invest because on the the you know the visual realm of things I'm I don't have it or yeah. I've always I'm paying off my mortgage we find we find excuses to jump into the un, not to jump into the unknown mm. And so my advice to someone who is just starting out in investing is gather your information. You know, like my my book's called Financially Fit Women for a reason in that I see the journey of finance the same as journey of creating a healthy lifelong fitness health habit for yourself. Mm. So gain all the information you can to find what's right for you and start small. So I use the analogy is you are not going to read a book on how to run a marathon and then go and run a marathon the very next day. You need to take steps and practice and see what works for you in terms of training programs and things like that. So gather your information, 
listen to the podcasts that are out there, read the books, join blogs, and, mm. and figure out what resonates with you. And it comes all the way back to the first chapter, doesn't it, in terms of money mindset and your personal goals, in terms of what sits okay with you. Because if it doesn't sit okay with you, you're most likely not going to continue the habit. And No, that's you- right. Mm. And you do this as a course as well, don't yeah. you? Yes, yeah. yeah. And it is, so it's all about just trying to make, you know what it is, it's about trying to make financial advice as accessible as possible to anyone. Mm-hmm. So that, that the idea of my book and then the course is, is just that, is that if you need help, it's there and we're providing it in an affordable and accessible way for, mm-hmm. for people. It's really, it's an exciting time for people really to be able to teach themselves this, you know, to have courses or books like this uh, where you can gather the information and you can educate yourself and then, you know, start to build your own wealth and financial security. I love that you um, talk in here about the micro-investing platforms. Uh, I've made my son's download spaceship actually and just as that kind of regular little learning tool of uh, you know of one thing it's one thing for them to start with and I think they've both got quite a bit of money in spaceship now you know flicking over a coffee a week for a couple of years does that so yes and cryptocurrency (laughs) oh don't don't go there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, what's the what's the legal jar, jargon? I do, I, I um I don't want to talk about that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You do um. So the book's packed with information, including at the end, your it really is packed with information, actually, and a lot of great information for people who own businesses as well and including your top five financially fit tips at the end, which I love. We'll leave that for people to buy the book and read them. But one of the final things that you write about is creating good money habits. And I think that's excellent. Talk about those. Oh, it, you know, it is. And, and I started it before and I, I, you introduced me as an iron woman and I have this little thing where I can bring any money conversation and like right into the same, oh. <laughs> into the same <laughs> conversation. Do you still do. train just on a completely different yes. note? Yep. You do, yes. I do. do you still my compete? Job. I've got, let's hold that off to September and see if I make my next race. So I'm entered in race in September and I did train in the chilly Melbourne morning this morning with my daughter. We went for a run along the river. Um, So I'm going to say yes, but watch this space because age (laughs) is catching up with me, as is the cold weather in Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, That's great. You know, financial fitness, if you can approach it like you would, any fitness or health regime or, or like, and I don't like the word diet particularly, but like even if you went on a diet, yeah, mm. the concept is a starvation method doesn't work for anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Doing nothing is not going to get you anywhere at all. You're going to be in the same spot or if not worse, if we look at the inflation figures, if mm. you do nothing um, or you'll be stressing later in life. And so the other thing is, as I said, I've talked about a lot of these is gather your information, you know, and try or what works for you or, or, or not. You've got to start somewhere. 
you know, yeah. and 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 you've just got to start and create that habit. And and you can you can treat yourself, reward yourself. So if you get that, you know, if you get that five thousand dollars in shares, you know, go and buy yourself a pair of shoes. Like little indulgences don't hurt. My book is not about telling you that you can't do things. It's about telling you what you can do and how to incorporate it into your life. And and the biggest thing about finances, Jane, is that we've got to review them. Mm. And and so, again, my book gives you the tools to go back and repeat the exercises, basically. You've got a point of reference now. So go and see how far you've come. Assess your goals. Set new ones. It really does. It gives you the language. It is an excellent guidebook. Uh, I think it's wonderful and I'm certainly going to tell a couple of my girlfriends about it and I would advise anyone who's listening who is, uh, you know, who they've been meditating and they've been looking after their health and they go to the acupuncturist, incorporate your finances into your overall well-being. I think it's um, so important. Uh, One thing, what do you want readers to take away from your book? Oh, just one. You put me on the <laughs> now. I want them, do you know what I want? I want them to realise that it is so good that they're not lending it on to someone else in case it doesn't come back. Instead, they'll go buy their friend one like you've said because it's that good. I, I, I would love it to sit in a shelf as a reference point for women and their daughters and their kids, um, but don't gift it. Like, don't gift your well, copy. Well, that's actually a, a really <laughs> good point because I have fluoroed because it is like a workbook. So you write in it. There are pages to make notes. So you're not going to be sharing this book. Go and buy three and give it to a couple of girlfriends because you will be writing in this book. You will be making your own notes and developing your own financial knowledge from it. And um, look, the book is Financially Fit Women not just for women, but it is great for women. It really is excellent. Amanda Thompson, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this with me today. Oh, thank you. You can you can tell it's a passion, so I'll talk about it all day. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.